0: Hey, I pray this finds you having a blessed day um, been a couple weeks since we've been together uh, Ended up having some family vacation time And church vacation Bible school uh, So we took a little bit of time uh, For those things And now we're going to jump right back in uh, To where we had left off We had talked about um, The article that Mark Clifton had wrote About the five traits of a dying church And uh, We're going to be looking at today hopefully more of, um, I guess, assessing the situation and being able to find uh, some positive um, outcomes for it. Uh, The last few um, that we've done has been uh, a little bit maybe challenging to kind of look at. Um, And I'm hoping that these will be a little bit more encouraging, even though that we're going to look at areas where I believe that We can see that the church um, is either dying or dead. Um, I think we can be able to see some opportunities um, for growth, for encouragement, for um, being able to move forward. Um, That's the ultimate goal. Um, The ultimate goal is not to um, sit down and find problems. The ultimate goal is to be a problem solver. Um, We're all able to be able to see, um, problems. Um, if, if there was one thing that I could say that, um, is probably one of the most disappointing things in our culture today is we are very critical of each other and very critical of, um, people and their decisions. And, uh, we're critical to a point that lacks love and compassion. Um, critical and judgmental, I guess, is the best way to look at it. And it's good to be able to recognize problems, um, to be able to see that there is a problem. Um, But it does no good to just recognize there's a problem and then not do anything with it or about it. And I I fear that that's kind of where we're at, especially in uh, this social media culture of consistently pointing out problems, being critical of problems in, in people and in different areas but not looking at it from a standpoint of wanting to offer solutions. So, hopefully, that's what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks um, as we are looking at some of these things um, within uh, the church. Um, The first area that I think that we are dying and dead within the local church is in our Christian service. Now, I've made this statement before, and I know that, you know, it can be taken either way. And, you know, I'm not—this is just kind of how I feel about it. But I think one of the the most detrimental things that happened to the local church was that we built buildings. If you go back to the book of Acts and you look about how that—the church started. The church began to start simply out of preaching the gospel— in a setting, people get saved, and they began to meet within homes. They began to meet in the um, local squares. Um, they would talk about, encourage, and disciple each other within the settings of normal day-to-day life. And you continue seeing the growth of the church through missional living and things of that nature. And yes, they did have the temple that they would go to and pray. But they lived more missionally uh, on a regular daily basis, which is really what the Great Commission is. The Great Commission is as you are going daily, make disciples. It's not just a trip that you take during the summer vacation <coughs> or during you know, a specific time to a specific country. Yes, that is a mission trip, but I'm talking living missionally. One of the things that I fear is that the local, the local church has lost the vision for its community, um, for the people in its community, for what Christian service really is. Um, I'm not saying that you know we have to go back just like with the Book of Acts and say that. Everybody has to sell all their own goods, pull it up together. Um, we couldn't do that because we would have an argument over who would be in charge of all that. We'd have an argument over um, how the committee would be formed, who would be picked on the committee, and how long they would stay on the committee. Uh, I mean, we couldn't do anything like that anymore because, again, I think the reason why that our Christian service is in trouble in our country today when it comes to, and I'm talking about America specifically with the, the, the church, is that we have this me first mentality of, I want to be served rather than I want to serve others. Uh, when Jesus himself came, he said, I came not to be served, but to serve. And I, I'm afraid we've lost that within the context of the Christian church today uh, in America. Um, it's, it's more of this consumer mentality of, I'm going to come. I'm going to give you an hour of my day on Sunday. Uh, I'm going to consume what you have. And I want you to make sure that you bless and, uh, you know, uh, give me what I'm paying for. Because, you know, I pay the pastor's salary and things. And we pay the, the worship pastor's salary. And we pay the youth pastor's salary. So I better make sure that I'm getting all the bang for my buck. And... Then we just do our that, that's it we we go to that building to consume and then we leave that building and the idea of christian service is is really going to the point of well that's what we pay the pastor for or that's why we pay you know this person for when we forget that we're all followers of Christ and as a follower of Christ, my job is to serve others and so one of the the one of the big uh, problems I'm afraid we see is that we, we've got the consumer mentality of just coming to a church building in order to consume the second one is this idea of who are others and the reason why I say that is because um, whether we want to admit it or not racism is still a major issue within the church uh, and it's not just, the way that most people would see racism. A lot of people see racism as only against African-American uh, or black people. But racism is against anyone um, with their color, their ethnicity, their creed. Um, it's, it's, it's having a, a racist view towards them based on who they are, their, their skin color, what they believe. And that is still very prevalent within the local church. Um, I remember at a church that I served, one of my dear friends who was an African-American pastor come in to preach for me. And one of uh, what what we would deem a leader in the church came up to me and he used the N-word. And he said, I can't believe you let that N-word come in here and preach on Sunday morning. And it was nonchalant for him. I mean, it was no big deal for him to just say that because that's that's his normal thought process and normal language. Uh, that's not right. That is not a, a, a mindset of, of others. That is a mindset of putting yourself above someone because of their skin color. And so we can identify some of these problems. We can identify that we have a consumerism problem in the church. We can identify that we have a racism problem in the church. But I also think there's another one, and we're going to identify these problems and then hope to be able to, what are some solutions that we can look at <coughs> Excuse me, in order to overcome some of this? I think another problem that we have in the church is simply a lack of understanding of what Christian service really is. When we understand the idea of Christian service, the... It goes back to what Jesus said concerning uh, what we would call the great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said the next one is love your neighbor as yourself. And if we want to ask the question, well, who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus kind of asked that question and then answered it when he was using the parable of the the Good Samaritan. Uh, It leaves us with no, no doubts who our neighbor is. Our neighbor is everyone. Our neighbor is everyone regardless of who they are, where they're at, skin color, ethnicity, creed, religion. That's our neighbors. Those are the others. And we're going to get into this a little bit more later on. But the reason why I'm saying that's one of our issues is because if you listen to a lot of language, there's there's really a lot of us and them mentality it's not others when you sit down and you listen to people talk it's and especially if they have a problem with christian service and a problem with others if you listen to the language of some churchgoers they really will use the us them language and mentality it's the idea of we want what's best for us and we want to protect us We want to make sure that we don't do anything that's going to jeopardize us. And we believe that they or them are going to jeopardize us. We've built up this beautiful building so we don't want people who don't fill in the blank. So what happens is when we lose the proper context of who others are. And we we, we fall into this us-them mentality. We don't want to serve others. We only want to serve ours. We'll serve our people. We'll help our people, but we're not going to help them. The problem is Jesus helped them. And if we want to be Christ-like, if we want to model Jesus, if we want to model what discipleship really is, where we emulate what our Master does, then we have to serve others. And that's not a lot of times what people are seeing. So when we sit down and we take these ideas of consumerism and we we take the the others that we're going to talk about, I want us to be able to to try to look at some some solutions. Now, I want to go ahead and make sure that (coughs) I put this out there. I am not against... uh, A large church. I'm not against a small church. I'm not against um, these models per se. What I am bothered with, I guess, is that we don't understand the context of our church setting. All right, now I want to elaborate on that before I get into this idea of consumerism. There are churches, especially in urban and, and metropolitan areas that would be considered larger churches and rightly so because of the number of people that they have however there's a lot of people who attend those churches that do have a consumer mentality there's not as, there's not as many places to be able to serve and what they do is they come uh, to be you know, kind of served However, the local church is a little. It, it runs a little bit different. See, when you when you look at the larger churches, they do have staff. They have um, maybe a senior pastor, maybe even an associate pastor. They would have maybe a student pastor or a children's pastor, uh, a next gen pastor, a worship pastor. They have these different positions because of the context of their setting and their crowd. It dixta- It dictates having that many people to be able to, to do things because of the numbers. However, the local church usually does not function on a staff mentality. The local church is run, if you want to say it this way, or, or move forward by the locale. And what I mean by that is you have the local church that in order for the local church to function properly needs the people within the local church to be able to do the jobs. One pastor can't do it. But they also don't have the the funds, the means, and the resources to be able to hire a large staff. And so you have the pastor who fulfills his responsibility and oftentimes way more than just the, the role of the pastor. And then you have maybe volunteers that are willing to step in and serve in these specific ministries in order for those ministries to move forward. So, one of the things that happens, and especially in our day and time today, is it's very hard for a lot of churches to find volunteers. You can probably go to most of your pastors of the local church, and they will tell you, we've got a very small group of people You know, who we would consider our core people who are uh, the ones who serve, the ones who do pretty much everything. You can look at, you know, however your church, you know, does things. You can look at um, a list of the jobs in the church, whether it's a nominating committee uh, list, the the church jobs, whatever it may be. And you can see that most of the time there's just a very few small names on that list um, that do the serving. Um, their names are on there three, four, and five times at, at, at different times. And they're volunteering to do all of these things. And a lot of times what happens is people burn out. They get tired because they're doing so many things and this idea of a consumer mentality looks really good. You know, I don't have to do as much. I can go to this church and I can just kind of be there. And so both both exist, but both have their context. And one of the things I think that happens sometimes is that that kind of gets skewed um, and it's because of maybe burnout from the being at the local church level. <clears throat> and that's why a lot of your what you would deem local churches are having to shut their doors because they're not able to find the people to volunteer to, to be able to do the jobs to help the local church to be able to function. and not every church is going to run 500. Um, not every church is going to have multiple pastors on staff. And that's okay because not every church is meant to be that way. Um, and so from the idea of service, you sit down and, and the best way to look at it is what is the context of what God, where God has placed you. All right, I'll give you an example. I remember when we planted the church we did in um, 2009. I remember that when we went through church plant training, one of the men that was there, Tony, he made the comment. He said, when you plant the church that God has put on your heart to plant, you should so impact your community that if your church was plucked out of the community, it wouldn't survive anymore. And I'd never heard that statement. I had never even thought of the church that way. But when you understand the idea of Christian service, and our responsibility as followers of Christ to serve others and serve the community in which we've been put in. That makes perfect sense. If you want your church to be a light in the community, you need to be such a light that if your light goes out, the community goes dark. Not that you want the people in the community relying upon you, but that you are being so obedient to what Christ has called us to do that the people are reliant on that. That you're willing to serve, whether it's the widows in the community, whether it's the the less fortunate in the community, whether it's the unsaved in the community. It's not just serving your own, it's serving everyone. And so being able to look at what it means to serve others. We as a church need to serve our communities in such a way that if there was ever a need, and I don't even care what it is, if there was ever a need, the people in your community know they can come to this body of believers for help. That's really what this boils down to. And it's not just to be able to have a building and make it huge. It's not just to be able to um, have large numbers. It's are we the hands and feet of Jesus to our next door neighbors, to the people in our community? Are we serving selflessly? Are we serving regardless of the situation, regardless of who it is, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their socioeconomic status? (coughs) Are we serving? And I dare say, from what I've seen, from the pastors I've talked to, from the churches that I've seen in communities, they don't. We don't. We'll serve at times. We'll have these moments of serving. But to say that we serve consistently, I don't know that we can. Not across the board. You'll find certain churches, and you may even be someone who is listening to this right now and say, man, my church really serves our community. And what I mean by serving the community is this. Are we regularly evangelizing our community? Are we regularly opening up opportunities to minister to the community? Now, notice what I'm saying. I never once said, invite them to church. You minister to people where they're at. See, a lot of times what we'll do is we may see someone and we just invite them to church. And I'm not saying that that's not a, a good thing. It is. It's a good thing. But if all we're doing is inviting someone to come into our building. We're not really ministering to them. What we're doing is we're inviting them to be ministered to by someone else. You're wanting them to come to your church so that they're ministered to by your pastor. What I'm talking about is Christian service is the people within that, that, that make up the context of the local church. They're doing the ministry. See, when we go to Ephesians 4, it doesn't say that the pastor is hired to do all the work. It says that the pastor is to equip the saints for the work. And what happens in this consumerism mentality is that the people don't want to do the work as much. So we would rather pay the the pastor or pay someone to be in a position to where they do it. And then if the church isn't growing, then he can be blamed. If things aren't going well, he can be blamed. When sometimes the mirror needs to be reflected back onto the local congregation and saying, What are we doing? How are we reaching our community? Because it's not just the pastor's responsibility, it's the church's responsibility. It's the people of Christ, the followers of Christ. That's why when the Great Commission was given, it wasn't given to the church, it was given to the follower of Christ. As you are daily going, make disciples. (coughs) Every one of us have that responsibility. And if all of us are doing our responsibility, then things flow well. But if 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 the responsibility is not being done by those in the local congregation and it's only fallen on one or two people, then you're going to really see a decline. The church is going to start to die. And then once the church starts dying, many times if you're not willing to recognize what the symptoms are, you end up dead. So a consumerism mentality of, The fact that I'm not responsible for doing this, but it's someone else's responsibility and I'm just going to consume, that's not a healthy model. Because what happens is if I turn into a consumer, then if I don't like what's going on, I can just go somewhere else and go shopping. Me and my wife were talking about this idea last night that, you know... If I don't want to get into a car and go anywhere right now, I can just get on Amazon and click a button and I can have it delivered to my house. There's, there's no requirements of me other than to use my finger. And unfortunately, we're, we've allowed that same mentality to come into the local church as, well, I don't have to do anything. I'm paying for a service. See, I don't have to do anything right now. I I ordered something from Amazon yesterday. I clicked a button and it sent me a a message and said it will be delivered to your house. All I have to do is walk out my front porch and pick up that box when it comes. There's nothing that, that is required of me. Now, it's a little bit more if I want to get into a vehicle and drive to the local whatever to buy but I'm also able to put forth some effort. I'm able to get into uh, the, the, the mentality of, of looking at the different options that I've got and being able to get exactly what I want. Because what I ordered on Amazon, I may get it, and then it's not going to work. So then I've got to send it back. And the other method is I'm able to look at it right then. But then the other method, I'm also able to engage. See, when I'm at the store, I can engage people. I can talk to people. I can make disciples. If I'm just sitting in my home clicking buttons, I don't have to engage anybody. And see, when a consumerism mentality comes is all I've got to do is show up to church, get my hour of Jesus in, and then leave. I don't have to be involved in Sunday school, small groups, discipleship, serving in any way whatsoever. Then you become an isolated person, which now, if you don't like what's going on, you just click and go to another place and what that does is that really harms the local church but then you know not only do we have a consumerism mentality we have we have these others and so what we what we're looking at and, and so i want to make sure that you you're not missing my, i'm not saying that the consumerism mentality that a lot of times comes from a larger church is what's wrong no what i'm saying is there's nothing wrong with a, a larger church there just needs to be more people Instead of just coming and being a consumer, there needs to be involvement. And a consumerism mentality is not just in a large church, it's in the local church too. There's a lot of people that just come and they say, well, we pay the pastor's salary for this. He should be doing all of this. It's that consumerism mentality. We've got to get away from that and realize that I am a follower of Christ for myself. I've got to be about Christian service. So it's not just large church, small church. It's not just mega church, local church. It's church in general. We've got to get rid of this consumerism mentality and actually get involved. The more you're involved, the more that you want to do something to further the kingdom. So from that mentality, it's being able to say, what can I do? Where can I serve? How can I serve others? It's this idea of Christian service. It's this idea of Putting others' needs above your own. Now we go into this next idea of racism. And again, it's not just racism based on race, but it's based on a lot of other, you know, different um, things that we, we, we place in that category. So the question we ask ourselves is this Who am I to love and serve? Well, if I go with what Jesus said, everyone. So why is it that we believe that it's okay for us to determine who we serve and who we don't? Well, just like what we just got done talking about, this idea of consumerism, this is another issue that we have that has really never been dealt with, and we think it's okay. We think that we can look at it, and because of someone's skin color, because of someone's um, ethnicity or creed or religious idea, we can think that they're beneath us. And this is dealing with pride. You know, a lot of people may look at it right now and say that um, one of the biggest problems that we have in America right now and in the American church is the problem with sexuality, whether it be um, dealing with gender identity, whether it, it's dealing with um, any aspect of the LBGTQ plus um, thought process and, and mindset. Um, whether it's the sexual abuse scandals, uh, whether it's um, adultery, uh, whatever it may be, I would dare say that the sexual sins is not the biggest problem in the church, but pride is. I believe pride is the biggest problem that we have in the local church and the church in general because it's a sin that we don't really recognize. It's a sin where... We don't even realize that we are putting ourselves above others and, and and causing other people to be beneath us. We don't see that as an issue. We just see that as normal. We look at someone of a different skin color and say, you know, they're not on my level. Or because of the way they dress or because of the way they act or because they don't look and, and dress like us. We, we look at them as beneath us. And... I don't find anywhere in Scripture where Jesus looked at anyone as beneath them in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I know that I had a leader within, um, and again, I use that term loosely, but I had a leader within a church that made the comment to me about um, living in a community that had a significant amount of African Americans And they looked at me and made the comment and they said, you know, those people don't even belong or deserve to walk on the streets over here where I live. Those people need to stay over there where they belong. They don't dress appropriately. They don't talk appropriately. And they don't deserve to be over here on my street. And the worst part was, is they said that to me. And I'm sitting there and, and I was dumbfounded. I was absolutely dumbfounded at this comment because I wanted to sit down and, 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 and there was a lot of things that come to my mind. I wanted to say, well, who, who gave you the authority and the right to be able to judge who walks on your street and who doesn't? And do you not recognize and realize that what you're doing right now is you are showing hatred in your heart to someone because of their skin color and because they act and dress differently than you? And how in the world does that model Jesus? And you may say, well, that's a drastic example. The problem is is there's a lot of people who harbor those kind of feelings. They may just not have the courage to vocalize it like that. Racism is still a very prevalent issue in our community and our culture and our country today wherever you may live. And it's not just necessarily concerning blacks and whites, but it's those of of Arab countries. It's those of Hispanic uh, countries um, and Latin countries. Um, It's dealing with immigration. Um, There are so many different facets to racism and the way that people see them to where they don't want to minister to them. They don't believe they deserve fill in the blank. And here's the problem with that. There's not one of us, myself or you listening, that deserves the grace from God. He gives that grace to us unconditionally and without reservation. And we then are to show that grace to other people. But unfortunately, what I find is that we gladly and willingly accept the grace from God. But we do not show that same grace to other people. And we usually don't show that grace because it's based on something of the ethnicity or skin color or whatever it may be. And that is not right. But yet we justify that because we look at it and we deem ourselves as holy. And, and here's the problem. That's called being a Pharisee. The Pharisees would look down on everyone who was not like them. Jesus was not like that. And so what we've seen is that in the American culture, because we don't want to serve people of other skin colors, uh, other ethnicity, or whatever it may be, we've turned in to modern-day Pharisees. Instead of looking at everyone under the umbrella of John 3.16 that Jesus died for you, And you know what? I may not agree with what you dress. I may not agree with the language that you use. I may not agree with your lifestyle. But my job is not to make you good. My job is not to try to get you right. My job is to share the gospel with you. And I can't do that if I have ill feelings towards you. I can't do that if I don't look at you properly because of a racist perspective. And what's scary is that this is not something that's usually hid. The community and the culture knows whether there's a racist view or not. It's it's not something that you can keep silent. The, The bad part is, though, is because of that pride, many times we don't see that that's an issue. So really what has to happen here... And this should be encouraging, but it's really not as repentance has to take place. There has to to come a moment to where people understand that my heart is not where it needs to be. And they're able to repent to the point that they recognize I've got to share the gospel with everyone, regardless of who they are. My job is not to pick and choose who gets the gospel. My job is to share the gospel, as Jesus said, to make disciples as you are going daily, make disciples of all nations. It's not about who you get to pick and choose. So the more that we allow this idea of of, of a racist perspective to come into play, the more it's going to cause the church to die. And then the church is going to end up going down a path of, of being dead from that. So the consumerism mentality is something that can really kill a church out. The idea of racism can really... Kill a church out. But then the idea of just understanding what service really is. What, what is serving others? This idea of others. Who, who are others? Others are everyone other than you. One of the hardest things that we deal with today is this meism mentality. This this idea of it all being about me, and a lot of that I'm not I'm not one. There there are so many different reasons for that. I know some people will look at it as it's all social media's fault. Um, Listen, there's so many different caveats that that uh, play into this. It's not just one thing. But this idea of of meism, this idea of self-centeredness really kills the idea of serving others. Because now what you're doing is you're consistently by looking at and being judgmental of who should be served and who doesn't. You're, you're, you're kind of taking John 3.16 and stomping all over it. This idea of for God so loved the world the cosmos, what you're doing is you're saying, "You know what it, it's not about anybody else. it's all about me, it's all about what I think. it's all about how I feel, which is really the scary part about this idea of meism is it's based on emotions, and our emotions can change at the drop of a hat. Our emotions can take us on a whirlwind. And if you just think about your normal day-to-day life, how many different emotions that you deal with on a regular basis based on situations. You can be happy, sad, mad, glad, um, angry, um, hurt, broken, sad. All of these things all in one day. None of that is consistent. And so when you're thinking about the idea of of running on your emotions, if what you do, you only do when your emotions are dictating it, it's very rarely you're going to think about others because you're really only thinking about yourself. And I'm going to tell you, and I say this wholeheartedly, I fall into that category a lot. You know, as a pastor, um, I get the Elijah complex many different times. As a pastor, you know, I have situations to where um, you know i 'm looking at it, and i'll wonder, you know, Lord, am I the only one or or whatever it may be and we fall into those categories really easily, and you can let those emotions dictate and when you're when you 're driven by emotions and when you let emotions take uh, you down a certain path it 's very hard to be able to think of others because what you 're doing is you 're really only thinking about what 's going on in your own life, and that 's one of the things that Satan loves to do in our lives is to be able to uh, cause us to really only think about ourselves and that's why one of the things that i try to encourage not only myself but other people to do is this is when you feel like you're getting into a mode of this me-ism of thinking about yourself start spending more time asking other people how you can be praying for them Start asking other people, what can I do to be able to, uh, you know, what's going on in your life? How can I pray for you? How can I serve you? And what you start finding is this. You start finding that other people are going through as many struggles as you are. And when you spend the time in your day praying for other people, you spend time in your day trying to serve other people and encourage other people, you start finding that it's actually more beneficial for you. You start realizing that a lot of the problems that you started seeing in yourself are aren't really problems at all. Sometimes I think, and I know this in my own life, some of the things I create, it's not even really a problem. I just create it because I'm so thinking about myself in such a way or thinking about the situations I'm going through and I've isolated myself to the point that I don't realize what a major, you know, or what a minor issue it may be. But then I talk to someone else and see what's going on in their life. And I'm like, goodness, you've really got some stuff going on. And so what it does is it keeps things in perspective. See, when we're spending more of our time trying to serve others and pray for others and and be a part of others' lives to be able to encourage them, it makes a world of difference rather than us just constantly focusing on ourselves. Because when all we're doing is focusing on ourselves, it's very easy to get into a mode of this isolation, to get into a mode of really Um, struggling in many different areas in our lives. And so one of the things that uh, I I try to encourage uh, with is if, if you're finding that you're not really serving a lot of other people much, one of the things that I would encourage you to do is to find a group of people that maybe you have their cell phone numbers and you can text them and just say, hey, how can I be praying for you? Or find some others around you to say, hey, how can I be praying for you? And start putting them on a prayer list of where you really began to uh, talk to them. To really uh, find out, not being nosy, not for any reasons of that nature, but that you legitimately began praying for them. And when you do, one of the things that you'll find is that you are worrying less about what's going on in your life. Um, So when it comes to this idea of Christian service... When it comes to the consumeristic mentality, one of the things I want to encourage you with is jump in and serve in your church, no matter what size it is. Jump in and serve, and, and if you don't know what you want to do, I promise you this. Ask God to direct you, and you'll find the place that He wants you to serve, and you'll be able to get involved. When it comes to the idea of looking at others as beneath you, whether it's racist, whether you know it's sexist, whether you know, whatever it may be, spend some time with God and ask God to investigate your heart. You know what? There's nothing wrong with repentance. There's nothing wrong with getting into moments to where you realize, I don't have it right. And to be able to ask God to help you. And to be able to get rid of that. All right. Then the next one is being able to look at it from the standpoint of serving others. Being able to understand that it's not about you all the time. It's being able to to be a part of ministering to the lives of others. And when we can get some of those things corrected, our churches will go from dying to being able to grow to being able to thrive. And not only will our churches, but our Christian lives as well. And so I hope that this has been a challenge to you. I hope it's been an encouragement to you. And I hope that it's one of those things to where, uh, you know, you'll be able to take some of these things and not look at it and say, wow, you know, I've got a lot of things wrong but to say, I've got an opportunity to get some things right. And that's really where this is at. This is not one of those situations to where it, it's wanting to just point out things and flaws for the sake of doing that. But it's being able to say, these are some things that we've got that needs to be fixed. How do we address these things? And I'm not saying I have all the answers. I know there's a lot of things that, that, are, that are going wrong. Uh, there's a lot of things that we probably could, could talk more about and we're not. But these are just looking at some of the highlights. Um, so next week we're going to be looking at the idea of, uh, today we looked at Christian service. Next week we're going to look at worship. What is it about worship that maybe we're getting wrong today? And that's why it's leading our churches to, to dying. And what does that really look like? We're going to look at the idea of emotionalism. We're going to look at the idea of, um, who we're worshiping. And I know that we probably know we're supposed to worship God, but are we really worshiping Him? Or are we really worshiping ourselves more and making it look like we're worshiping Him? These are some of the things we're going to be looking at as to why that true true genuine worship might be something that's missing in our own lives and our churches today. So again, I pray this has been a blessing to you. Uh, I encourage you to be able to uh, write a review or leave a, a, a rating on this podcast to help it get out there a little bit more but most of all i pray that if you don't know jesus as your personal savior that you would understand that jesus loved you enough to die on a cross for your sins pay your sin debt so that you could have an eternal relationship with him and if you want to know more about that i encourage you to contact me or contact someone you know as a christ follower and talk to them about that look forward to seeing you this time next week pray you have a blessed wonderful day